3: Welcome to White Wine Question Time, Something from the Cellar, another mini episode of our new midweek drop that sees us revisit some of the brilliant guests we've had on the show over the last four years, hence Something from the Cellar, which is full, by the way, of vintage guests who've been accumulating there over the last four years, more than 200 of them. So think of these Tuesday drops as some of our best bits from some of our very best guests. And this week, I'm raising a glass to some truly mind blowing sliding doors moments that some of our guests have shared, which have gone on to profoundly change the course of their lives forever. And first up, it's Radio 2's Vernon Kay, who's enjoyed a long and illustrious career, gracing our screens and radios for over 20 years now. He's even taking over from White Wine Question Time favourite Ken Bruce as the new host of Radio 2's mid morning slot. But none of that would have happened had he not been scouted on a drunken night out. Take a listen. I just wanted to kick off with something really simple. I
2: wanted yeah. you
3: to tell me about a moment in your life that fundamentally changed everything.
2: Oh, that's got to be being scouted at the Clothes show. That has got to be the moment for me. That, that's my kind of crossroads. Where everything... I, you know, I was going down one route... Uh, I finished college, I did environmental science. I was dreadful at it. I think I got a degree in house music from 1990 to 94. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, gosh, the Hacienda. Yeah, so, and and then I got a job. I, 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 so basically I was living for the weekend. I didn't care what I did. Uh, my parents taught me that you don't get anything for free. You've got to go out and graft. I was working from 14. Uh, and I, at in the a time, banana
3: factory, is that right? Yeah, I did.
2: I was doing that. That was summer holidays. Then I, and I was running two, from 14 to 16, I was in the banana factory in summer holidays. From 16 to 22, I was running in summer banana factory and Tesco. So Tesco's part-time all year. Banana factory, summer holidays for uni. Uh, and then I ended up working for the council as a mobile caretaker for 18 months. I worked at a DIY shop for my cousin. I just I just wanted cash. I, yeah. I had enough money to pay me mum, a couple of beers, some petrol for my car, uh, and the odd shirt every every month. New shirt to go clubbing in.
3: Uh, and that was it. That's all you needed.
2: Yeah, That's all you needed. That's all you needed. You know that was it really. Uh, because I didn't pay for aftershave because all you do is go to uh, Kendalls I think it was in Manchester and get the samples.
3: Yeah, just stand in there, doing it. yeah i yeah. have got any
2: samples I really like this got any samples and you get you know those little bottles you yeah. got a cupboard full of little bottles of aftershave uh, and my friend phoned me up and he said look we're going to go to the clothes show I'm like what are you going there for he said look my sister's been it's amazing it's cheap clothes and oh, you've not got a pot to piss in you can get some Christmas presents why don't you come I'm like oh, I don't know he said look, just go and have a few beers you know just cause some trouble uh, like
3: have a laugh. At
2: the Birmingham NEC. For the Birmingham NEC. And I'm like, well, <laughs> alright then. So we went along, uh, and this guy, we were we were we were you know when you there's there's a when you're having a drink, there's a moment where let's say you're three pints in or four pints in and you kind of think yeah I feel great Woo! full of energy and then you know that the next two pints are going to throw you over the hill and you just start talking slurring a little, you know he's getting like this well we were at that moment and this guy came up to us and he said oh uh, hi I'm from select model management in London and we think that, uh, you know, with, with the way you look, that you maybe come down and spend some time in London. And we all just started laughing at the same time. Like, behave. I've got work tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> and he said, no, I'm serious. So I took his card and then we did this little catwalk thing. But I didn't know at the time that ITV were following select model management for a kind ah. of docu-soap type thing or a reality show. Uh, and there was myself. They scouted five lads at the time and myself and my soon to be two flatmates were also there and I didn't know them obviously because they had been scouted as well and then from that day I left Bolton and I've never been back so that was on a Friday I finished work on the Monday uh, packed my bag moved. I was living in a a bed and breakfast for about three months in Paddington Gardens Uh, that's it and then I'm living in London And I did that for modeling for, well, I say modeling. I got away with it for two years.
3: (laughs) That's incredible, Fern. But that was, that was, that was quite the stomping ground, Birmingham NEC's clothes show, because a lot of people were discovered there and all the model scouts would be out. But of course, you know, you wouldn't have known that going there. You just went for the, for the crack and the clothes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And we had a friend who lived in Birmingham. He played for Aston Villa. He used to play for Bolton Wanderers, but that's a different story. and, And sometimes the two get intertwined. Uh, but yeah we were just we just thought let's go and have some beers get some clothes uh, hang about and we had a really good laugh and 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 I phoned my parents on the way home I said hey guess what this, this fella has asked me if I want to do some modelling in London and they both looked at, like laughed down the phone on a pair phone <laughs> and my dad went well, you, what, you look like a girl why are you going to be modelling dresses <laughs> you know typical northern response response <laughs> And I'm like, oh, all right. And then they went, look, if you want to do it, do it, you know. And my dad, my dad said to me, you can always come and lorry drive for me. So I thought, yeah, why not? I'll go and do it.
4: You
3: know, that's the thing. At that point, what's to lose?
2: Kate, I didn't have anything to lose because yeah. I didn't have anything. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, 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 that was it. And I remember I arrived on a Friday, and that Saturday night, Select were having a cocktail party at a champagne bar somewhere in Notting Hill. I think it was. I can only... I vaguely remember walking in. The first person that handed me a glass of champagne was Helena Christensen. No. And I'm like, ah.
3: Oh. Gosh, she's so beautiful, isn't she?
2: Yeah. Even though we were in the cocktail bar in London, the capital, and it was fashion and it's glitz and glamour, everyone wore trainers. And isn't it, isn't it funny that that one thing just sticks out? Did you think that was odd? Yeah, I thought it was really weird that we're a, a glitz and glam do and everyone's wearing trainers. Uh, LAUGHTER because I I was wearing like you know trousers and shoes because I thought I dress you got to dress up Do you know so I put on like my church outfit so to speak and <laughs> all the all the lads were in jeans skanky trainers and a t shirt I'm like oh man that's
3: brilliant and so then you came to London you start this new life in a B and B in Paddington and and the modelling how how did that work did you enjoy it was it easy you know. How did how did it come in? Thick and fast, or not so much? No,
2: no, no, not so much. No, 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 because uh, it, Select was made famous by setting the trends. So they they were really like at, at the forefront of of really being an influence on the fashion industry as a whole. Mm. And and the that's the, uh, Chrissy, Claire, and Tandy. The three Chrissy and Claire are sisters, and Tandy uh, is their business partner. And the three of them owned it, and. Uh, they always wanted to make a difference on the industry itself, not just uh, the models, you know. So, And they did, they they created looks. They looked after so many big names. And I didn't really get into it or the, the kind of knowing, learning what it was about, because why would I? You know, a lad from up north, dad's a lorry driver, mum works in a department store. You don't really think about that kind of stuff, high-end fashion. You just realise that Versace is bloody expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, you know, and... It 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 was kind of like, oh, okay, wow, this is this is serious, this is the real deal. And I didn't make a penny modeling, but it, it enabled me to have two years of just being young and free and in London in the late nine late nine uh, yeah, late nineties, early noughties. Uh, and I had a blast I had an absolute blast but I didn't make a penny they they were paying me £110 pounds a week they gave me uh, they wrote me a cheque to cash at the bank at the end of the street where the agency was and when I left to do telly I owed them about ten grand. I owed them about £10,000 and I thought it really upset me that I didn't make enough money to pay the debt back so my oh. first uh, kind of TV gigs I, I went in and I said oh here's the money that I owe you and to them it's nothing because they can write it off as a tax expense you know like oh don't worry about it I'm like no 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 I've got to give you this back because you looked after me and it's only fair and it's only right that I, I pay me where. and uh, they really appreciated it and I just thought it, it, you know if it wasn't for them giving me that cheque every week you know because I didn't make any money honest Kate I didn't make a penny uh, I'd have been back home but they supported me and they looked after me and And, uh, yeah, that's kind of that pivotal moment for me.
3: What a gem. And if you want to have a listen to that episode in full, you can hear Vern wax lyrical about his time in I'm a Celebrity, as well as a beautiful story he shares about how he surprised Tess with a wedding vow renewal that will put a tear in your eye. Go on. Give it a listen, but only after this. Because up next, well, it's the most famous vicar in the land, the Reverend Kate Botley. And her sliding doors moment unfolded in front of millions after she went viral in a flash mob dance-off at a wedding she was conducting at the request of the happy couple. It went on to change the course of her career in the church in ways that she never imagined after it piqued the attention of Gogglebox producers. Okay, question number one. I wanted to talk about daring to be different and how it can lead to truly life-changing moments you went viral with your flash mob wedding dance which for anybody who hasn't seen it go to youtube and just google reverend kate botley wedding dance it's there it's you marrying a couple and the moment they kind of say i do or let no man take us under
5: what's the song that kicks in kate and um- Everybody dance now. (laughs) And it's great. And I absolutely loved being part of that. It was so much fun to do. But it wasn't Um, just
3: the music playing. The bride, the groom and you all choreographed moves and you led the congregation. And it went from one song to the next. We
5: did, we had a bit of cool in the gang. Celebrate Celebrate good. Celebrate good times. Come on. Yeah, better that. It's It's a bit,
3: it's a bit of, um, viral Prozac
5: it was, um, we never expected it to go viral. In uh, I thought I said to Gary and Tracy, cause it was, well, they say it was they're my the idea. They're Their husband and wife. Yeah. Yeah. Their husband. They're still married, which is great. Phew. Um, uh, the, I, they say it was my idea and I say it was their idea. Cause basically they came along and like every bride and groom, they wanted their wedding to be the best wedding. Any of their friends had ever been to. And obviously everybody wants that. Everybody wants, you know, their friends to walk away and go, that was a great day. We had a great day. Um, so So they came along and said, we'd like something a bit different. What what are you prepared to do? And I said, that's a really dangerous question to ask someone like me, because there's like the realms of legality and the realms of propriety. And I will push both of those if I can, you know, so I will take it as far as I think I can take it. Um, So I said, look, let's, let's do a little, let's do a dance. And they were into, they're into musical theatre, they sing in choirs and all that sort of stuff. So they organised a little routine. They got the music sorted. And then what happened was um, they wanted to do the rehearsals on Sundays because that's when all their friends could get together to do it. And I was like, that's not really a great day for me. Um, So I'll tell you what, you just send me the video, send me the steps, and I'll pick it up and I'll freestyle it and I'll just, you know. Um, And then I did say to them, I think the local press might pick up on this. If we put this on YouTube and stuff, because they were going to do that anyway for people that weren't at the wedding so that other people could see it that hadn't been able to get there. Um, I thought maybe the Worksop Guardian, maybe the the heady heights of the Retford Times, uh, <laughs> maybe the Sheffield Star might pick it up. I did not think I would be talking to uh, Al Jazeera, for example,
1: after it broke. <laughs> Is that what
5: happened? <laughs> yeah, it was a weird conversation, man. It was like, I was talking... I'd sp- I'd- Australian news picked it up, BBC picked it up, you know, it went, cr- it went crazy absolutely nuts but you know it wasn't i mean i loved it i thought it was utterly joyful you know he and was. i i believe you know i it, jesus's first miracle was watering to wine at a wedding so that's my kind of savior do you know what i'm saying we like <laughs> a party right i don't think there's anything wrong with having a really good time i think it's a holy thing enjoying yourself i think you know this idea that you can only be holy in somberness and quiet mm. is absolute nonsense um and i believe in having in a really good time if you can. But it wasn't universally loved. There were some very grumpy people at the idea of well uh, you suddenly become and what I've learned about um whatever that word we want to use let's let's say fame but that's not what I mean. I don't know what that word is because we are all a bit twitchy about that word. But what happens when you're thrust into the public eye like that is um you become some sort of vessel for everybody's grumpiness about everything. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, I became some sort of symbol of what was wrong with the Church of England, but at the same time, what was right with the Church of England. So, you know, and it really split people. I had one woman who phoned me up, because of course I'm a vicar, all my details were public at the time. (laughs) So I had people just ringing me up. I had one woman ranting about the church's tax affairs to to me she just was shouting at me down the phone about tax and about the church of england's tax relief that it gets and i was like i just did a dance at a wedding i I don't know what you're talking about i'm not not some sort of spokesperson for the church of england you know that's not how this works i did a dance at a wedding because i thought a bride and groom might like it and it might make them happy that's what that was it uh,
3: it was be Honestly, <laughs> Kate, it was joyous. And for everybody that you might have upset who was already invested in a Christian faith, there were many, many millions that you reached that had not probably thought about religion or their faith or Christianity or what going to church is like these days they probably just hadn't given it a thought and suddenly you were in their eyeline and doing something that would that looked normal to them and And that's good time. that's
5: literally it I mean do I think for one second somebody's gonna have a Damascus Road moment when they see me on Celebrity (laughs) MasterChef Shop, I've seen the light no of course not do I think they might think she seems all right and then when they do have to meet a vicar, perhaps if someone they love has sadly died or perhaps they just really they're a little bit interested, um, perhaps it might just make the door a little bit easier to open. And my favourite sentence anyone ever says to me is they do this thing where they, they sort of stop me at the street and they go, I'm not religious don't think I'm religious. And I go I go it's okay if you are, you know, it's not the worst thing you can be. They go I'm not religious, <laughs> but and then and then after that but, they say a whole raft of things which leads me to believe that maybe there is a little spark of something in there. They go I don't yeah. believe in God, but I do believe in an ultimate power of love in the universe. That's God. That's just what God is. It's just a different word. <laughs> Yeah, so they have it's a just faith. Semantics. A faith. Yeah, yeah. people yeah. will say things like I like to light a candle if I go into a church, I like to light a candle. And I and they go I don't really know why I do it, but I like. And all I want to say to people is that's okay. You d- I don't own religion. I don't own God. Nobody does. And if you want to dip in and dip out and if you find something yeah. in things, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. It's all right to to find whatever you need to find in it. Well,
3: that's what I think that video, that viral clip represented because obviously it went on to change your life the gogglebox producers saw it um suddenly you're given a slot on a huge show which you get like you say every week it's that drip 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 effect of oh look she's normal oh look she's got a husband oh look she drinks gin oh my god a dog sits with his legs wide open uh you know and suddenly you're you're just one of the gang yes. rather than like you say i mean i think people see the dog collar and they jump to huge Conclusions and judgments and preconceptions, just because because of the costume, you know. Um, and because- you know, you
5: get that thing where if someone swears in front of me or or, or says, "Oh my God," they go, "I'm so sorry," and it's like, <laughs> "It's okay. You're not my child. I don't need to tell you." It's fine. Um, you're all right. No. <laughs> and 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 of course, people do that thing as well where they go, "Are you allowed? Are you allowed to wear high heels? Are you allowed to wear makeup? Are you allowed?" And I'm like. I- I am just a person. We are just people, right? <laughs> they clearly haven't seen your TikTok, have they? I know, right? A lot can happen in the next 3 years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
3: Supermodel TV presenter and menopause guru Lisa Snowden found her sliding doors moment in the most unlikely of places on a podium at a rave dancing her socks off. Here she is, talking at a live recording we did last year, giving us the lowdown on how she ultimately got her big break. But, um, you know, I said right at the top of this um, intro to to, to this show, another of those moments was almost kind of like, you know, you being spotted dancing in a nightclub on a Saturday night at the MFI club (gasps) by a, a model scout. You were not planning to be ever a model. And yet this fork-in-the-road moment came where somebody comes and taps you and says, have you ever thought about this? And life changes. So,
4: I mean, is is that another fork-in-the-road moment? And and if not that, what others? Gosh. So the first one, I think, was the Italo Conti audition. So going back to when I was 14. So I was dancing and singing, and I wanted to be on stage. I went to see Cats, the musical, when I was 11. And we were literally in the front row, and I was like that. I have my, my jaws on the it. floor. My granddad was <laughs> snoring next to me. And I was like, how is he not? Like, this is, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. So <laughs> I, like, I want to be in Cats. So then I was doing my dancing classes and going to all of that sort of stuff after school every day. So I was rolling into bed knackered at like eight o'clock at night. Um, and my dancing teacher said, why don't you audition for Italia Conti? And so then when you're 16, you would have this experience under your belt. Um, and then you just be, you know, you, you know it won't be as daunting, yeah. you know, in a couple of years' time. So I said, okay, great. So I went, we prepared, you had to do a, like, it was like flash dance. It was like flash dance. There was it was a is. panel, and you had to sing, you had to do a poem, you had to, like, do three different dances, and they were all just sitting there, like, tapping their pens. And, really? Uh, yeah, it was honestly <laughs> so odd. But cut two at the end of the whole day, they took my mum and dad into the sort of, the, the headmaster's office, and they said, now, she's not the greatest dancer. And she's not the greatest singer, but she definitely has something. I'm like, talk about backhanded compliments. Do you oh know what I God, mean? That's so Looking harsh. back now, I'm like, no wonder I've had confidence issues all my life. You're not all that fabulous, but can can you pay you to come mean, and join us? something? Just, it's, I mean, she's got something. That's what they wow. said. So then we had to make that decision on: do I now? All the plans had changed. I was supposed to stay at my normal comprehensive school until I was, you know, do my... It was the first year of GCSEs. Yeah. And so I was midway through the term. And so when it cut to, that was one of the biggest moments. So I did decide to obviously go to Teleconti, start in the middle of the term... I was completely out of my debt, this little suburban girl, getting the train every day as a 14-year-old in my little... Because where was the Conti? So that's at the Barbican. That's in central London. That's yeah. a, it's right in the sort of heart of this metropolis of a city. Yeah, and I was, on, I was going by myself every day so on the it, train. as much as you were born in Harlow, you were raised in Hertfordshire, yeah. so a bit of a commute to yeah. school every day. Absolutely. I had to get the train, I had to get the tube, and then I had to walk, and it was quite daunting... Um anyway so that was a big fork in the road where I seized the opportunity to do that and push myself to the limit. Um, it was a great experience. Um I didn't ever make it to Grange Hill. All of the girls were in Grange Hill and there was Who p- was in your year? So Emily Lloyd. Oh my god, wish you were here. Yeah. She was fantastic. Trigger's daughter. Trigger's daughter. You know Emily Lloyd? She'd say up your bum a lot in like wish she was yeah. here. Yeah, Remember She's Trigger? Fantastic. All right, Dave? Yeah. Yeah. So it was Emily right, Lloyd Dave. was in was in my class and she was fantastic. She was so naughty that every time there was a <laughs> a school tour, they he used to lock her in the toilets. Because <laughs> she would just do uh, brilliant. a brilliant really naughty thing. So she was amazing. Louise Redknapp, Louise Nerding, she was a couple of years down, Naomi Campbell. Yeah, no, so that was was a fantastic opportunity. Naomi Campbell? Yeah. Naomi was a Saturday girl. She used to come on the Saturdays, though. She wasn't actually at the school, so she'd come on a Saturday. Um, So that was a really big opportunity, and it was quite exciting slash daunting. And I think that that was one... Yeah. uh, Like, that that first start to kind of... It sounds like stepping into Narnia, right? That's the other
3: world that you're dreaming about, and suddenly you're in that world. That must... In I thought it was gonna be
4: like fame because I was. Was it? No, you know when they're all dancing on the tables. Yeah, but it wasn't as dancing on the streets and. But it gave out of... you the no, confidence it it absolutely... to go into another world, right? To yeah. not just be the girl at the comp in her local school. Yeah, yeah, and to dream big. Yeah, absolutely. Or did it. No, it did. It absolutely did. I, I, I saw that the agency on, that was at the top of the school, people were going for auditions for Grange Hill. I did the title sequence for the Roxy, which was top of the Pops' rival show ITV on rival. ITV. ITV. Wasn't that filmed at Camden Palais? No, because I did the theme. I did the title sequence, so I was like jumping into a Cadillac with all these Where cool kids. And it was like, yeah. So I sort of got a taste of wow. film, commercials, photo shoots, and things like that. So that gave me that little kind of excitement to kind of. Think that I could perhaps go down that route. Now, there were two beautiful girls. There was a beautiful girl called Sabrina who was at my school and she was stunning. And I remember walking out of the tube and falling in love with Christy Turlington, who was yeah. on this Vogue cover and it was blown up outside a news agency. And she was all like in this Versace cat suit. And I was just like, oh, who is that woman? And I literally fell in love with her. So that's when I started to kind of get into fashion and modeling and, and, and like that kind of creative. But there was a girl called Sabrina who was a model, and she was fabulous, and I thought... And somebody was like, you should be a model, and I was like, no, that'd be ridiculous. I mean, the, uh, Christy, Sabrina, so I didn't you ever... see,
3: Naomi, she comes in on a Saturday, she yeah. might have a chance. <laughs> Do
4: you know what I mean? <laughs> Legs I mean, up to it. <laughs> I don't know. I'd give her a go. <laughs> <laughs> so there were some amazing women, like, around me, young girls who were actually quite mature for their age, and I was just like, there's no chance. So that was definitely a fork in the road for me, Italia Conti. So then... Which... Well, talk me through was it MFI yeah so it was this like underground kind of like so I was going it's not out, where you buy sofas it's not MFI Mf, there's I, no bank Holiday specials no here. I don't even know what it stands for but it was under the Westway and it was the coolest like club and it was all back in like 89 where it was all these illegal rave. Summer of Love Summer of Love and it was Acid House it was the yeah. start of like Soul to Soul the best music and you know just my youth of just like going out and just rebelling against my parents and having the best time and dancing all night just loved it and so i was at one of these raves and just having like a really good time my rave? rave. you were raving right i was, oh, I was oh, you're so cool i was raving and was I it just... an illegal rave no that one wasn't oh. it was a club and was... <laughs> i know but we did go to lots did you have to go for the of leather roundabout <laughs> no, we didn't. <laughs> only ravers would get that choice. sorry i love that we did occasionally <laughs> but not that night And I remember I I grabbed my boyfriend at the Times, a cap, and I stuck it on my head, and then I just jumped up onto the stage. It was a little podium. It wasn't like a massive stage. And I just started grooving, and I was just living my best life. Just living my best life. Not professionally (laughs) dancing, just grooving. And then somebody just pulled on my cycling shorts. The I, was cycling wearing, shorts I was wearing on. cycling shorts with high-top Reeboks and a little crop top and a cap. I mean, like I, ate a like, I was like, Nader Cherry. It's like, a cherry. And she was like, excuse me. And I was like, I'm dancing. Excuse me. I was like, get off. And anyway, and so then she gave me her card and she said, I'd love to, you know, would you come in and see us? Um have you ever thought about modelling? And I was just like, don't be ridiculous. Kept the card for two weeks, didn't call her. You didn't no, call? No, I didn't call her for two weeks. And I thought... So what changed your mind? <laughs> I needed the money. It's <laughs> <laughs> a really good I was, reason. I was, like, I was like, I was like, what am I going to do? Like, I was starting to sort of, yeah, I think I'd left Italia Gondi by that point. And I just thought, I just, maybe, maybe, maybe. And I found the card and I thought, look, what have I got to lose? So I called her and I went into London and took the meeting. And that was another... Big... So which agency were you signed to? That was Max Presents. I met a lot of people that I still know now. I met some really reputable photographers that shot me and I really got a taste for it. And I just went out on the road and went... I was like, hi, here's my portfolio. That thing was heavy. Yeah. I've got dodgy shoulders from carrying that around on one shoulder. But you had this portfolio and I... And I had some good test shots. I had some quite good tear sheets because that's kind of what you're collecting and you needed to have. But tear sheets is like editorial, right? Tear sheets are from magazines. So that's always like the more credible things. So you could rip them out of your magazine and you put them in your book. Um, but a lot of them were test photographs with young photographers. And a lot of time you did have to pay for them because... Because mm, you needed tear sheets. You needed, you need you needed pictures the pictures. They needed the pictures so you split the cost with the photographer. Yeah. But you had to pay for the printing. And anyway, I went to my list... Models One, which is a big agency. I don't know if you've heard of them. Models One was at the top of my list. Then Storm, because... Sarah Ducas. Yeah, Kate Moss, you know, and then Premier. Mm -hmm. And I went to Models One, and they took my book, and I was sitting out, and I could see them in the office, and they were looking at it and passing it around. So degrading. I was sitting there for ages, and then they came out, and they said no, sorry, we've got a girl who looks really similar to you. And so I just took the thing and just walked out with my tail between my legs. Didn't have a mobile phone back then. Couldn't I fought, phone anyone could phone oh, this is going terribly wrong. Then I went to Storm, pretty much the same thing happened. No. Yep, they didn't want me. And I was like, oh my God. And this photographer called Nick Clements was the one who's this beautiful like, photographer who shoots kind of like Bruce Weber, so really black oh, and white. Beautiful. Gorgeous, gorgeous photographer. And um, he was the one that was like, you've really got to do this. So I was like, oh God, I've got to keep going. So I went to the third agency premiere. And they were Lovely. And that's a
3: big agency, by the way, right? Big
4: agency. So they became elite premier. So you must have heard of elite, elite models. So they premier, big agency. And they were like, we love you. We love you. You're fantastic. We want you to sign now. And I said, can I think about it? (laughs) (laughs) Where did that (laughs) go from? I was like, yes, Take me, take me. I was like, I was like, that's brilliant. I'm gonna think about it. So I gave them my number. And what then made you say I don't that? No, I just suddenly got like this. I've got options. I'm sorry. I, I was like, why didn't I just, I was chomping at the bit to get signed, and they wanted me, and then I was like, I need to think about it. So then Becky Peach, who's a fantastic model agent, she took my number and she called. My dad, because I was living at home, relentlessly, we, we, want, we want to sign her, we want to sign her. And I was like, really? I like this. So then I ended up signing and they were brilliant. They weren't just great at kind of encouraging me and helping with the modelling, but they were talking about, which no agency does, tax, VAT, talking about wow. the money side of stuff and yeah. getting yourself organised. And, you know, that was, i never forget it's huge. that. huge. Yeah, I never forget that. So that Also, what a window to a world of opportunity. Yeah. Travel, yeah.
3: Thanks so much for joining me for this week's Something From The Cellar. A little event can change the trajectory of the rest of your life, can't it? I hope you've enjoyed revisiting these conversations as much as I have. And fear not, I'm back Friday with a brand new guest. In the meantime, if you want to enjoy these episodes in full, simply scroll back through the back catalogue or search for our guests using their name in your search bar. This week, it was Vernon Kay, the Reverend Kate Botley and Lisa Snowden. I'll see you Friday. Thanks for listening.
4: crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from rust
0: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.